Welcome in to the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host yet again, Dave Reed, joined by my two co-hosts, Joey Gallo. Hey guys, happy to be coming to you in higher definition audio, beginning with this edition. Brian Wilkinson. Welcome back, everyone. Excited to be here again. As Joey mentioned, we all went in on the uh, the what is it, the Yeti Blue microphone. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Logitech, not a sponsor. But uh, hopefully, this has come to crystal clear now that we continually improve. That's what you're going to get from this podcast since uh, we're on episode three. We're just going to each episode. There's going to be new improvements. But as I mentioned to you, episode three, can't believe we made it here, and we got a fun one for you today. Uh, we're going to quickly do a run- recap of our rookie draft, and also now that all the drafts are done and the rosters are complete, we're going to give each of you our own personal power rankings, which I'm sure will make some of you happy and others not so much. Um, but we'll we'll dive into it. But first, we're going to jump to the rookie draft and run through that. So just a quick uh, review of what how the rookie draft was set up. It was five rounds. Uh, it was reverse order of what the startup draft was, and it was snake style for competitive balance. So uh, in future rookie drafts, we're going to be linear, which is the same way that the NFL draft does um, their draft, just to make sure that there's competitive balance. But since there's no real bad teams yet, we did a snake style. Also, the reverse order meant that Joey, who had the last pick in the startup draft, had the first pick. So he won the sweepstakes there. Um, but first, we're going to run through our first round. So the first round is, in general, pretty predictable, especially this year. No real surprises. Uh, these players, of course, have the, the best hit rate of all to, uh, to be successful in their NFL careers. But again, it's not all guarantees. There are some real uh, heartbreakers in, in early picks in, in past years, like Nikhil Harry and uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, but yeah, so this round will go in. But before we... Go into that. I do want to say there was one trade in the first round. We uh, had, of course, Schluter. If there's a trade, he has to be involved. Uh, he moved up uh, from the 112 to the 107 by sending Canellos, who he traded uh, with, to get uh, his 2024 first round pick. So Canellos gained a second 2024 first round pick to move back about five spots. Now, jumping into the first round here. The, the way the order went, so Joey, as I mentioned, went first. He picked Bajan. I was next. and went Anthony Richardson. Then we had Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Jam- uh, Jamar Gibbs, JSN, Zay Flowers, Quinton Johnson, Addison, Will Levis, Kincaid, and Sharp, Zach Charbonnet. So any real surprises or thoughts on that? I, to me, it felt like it was pretty chalk, but I want to see if you guys had any other thoughts on that. No, yeah, I mean... Chalk, chalk, chalk it up. First round. Yeah, so, I mean, it, there was no real surprises there. Um, I don't know, if Joe, if you had any other thoughts. Yeah, so I'd have to say that getting Addison over Flowers due to uh, Schluter's um, Ravens fandom, I think, was pretty fortunate. Um, so... That was one I particularly liked from a value perspective. I think Addison was probably my second favorite of that bunch of receivers there. JSN, Quentin Johnson, Flowers, and and Addison. Um, I don't hate the Will Levis pick here. I think that I have my skepticisms about his ability to um, actually throw the ball, but 
it's a similar situation as Anthony Richardson. I think they had pretty similar tape, um, shaky moments throughout college. So they'll both be looking to actually develop as a passer. I guess the only reason why Richardson is viewed as a, a better fantasy prospect is because obviously he's got freak athleticism and uh, can contribute quite a bit on the ground. So I don't hate the dart throw with Levis, especially in a uh, in a super flex. And uh, yeah, for me, the most interesting thing about this first round is just how the the that run on early quarterbacks in super flex, how those three Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud actually turn out. Yeah, and Joe, I want to just correct you. It was the most athletic quarterback of all time uh, with extremely high uh, draft capital that uh, Will Levis did not have. So I'm just going to throw that one out. No, I mean, the athleticism is <laughs> is remarkable, and you, you certainly <laughs> cannot possibly overlook it. But, um, yeah, as somebody who lost a lot of money wagering on the Gators last year, um, I know that he can – uh, be susceptible to the erratic throw, especially downfield. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll uh, continue to grow. But also, I think, no, but all your points are valid. I, I totally get it. The one other thing I guess I, I would point out um, that might be different in other leagues is just the Dalton Kincaid pick. Uh, not that thing is a bad pick. I just want to remind, we are a tight end premium league. So actually, him coming in the first round wasn't really a surprise to me, uh, especially with the talk of him potentially being – uh, playing on the slot more. So if he actually is playing more of a slot type of role, uh, that can be a pretty valuable pick in this format. All right. Well, moving down to the second round, this is where the ADP starts to get a, a, a little bit more thrown out the window. It's a little bit more interesting. Uh, and the hit rate is kind of like a coin flip at this point. Um, this is also where like you, you'll see other certain type of players. They use second round picks to kind of, get veterans because of the coin flip aspect of uh, uh, the hit rate here. Um, but we're really just trying to uh, like hit on this because if you hit someone in the second round, it really can make your team uh, jump up to the next level. Um, and in this round, we actually did have another trade. Uh, it was involving with me and Crope, actually. I ended up sending Rashad Penny to Crope for uh, – Devon A-Chain, who he had already drafted at the 2.03. So we just swapped running backs there. But with that in mind, I'm going to read the draft board real quick. So in the 201, we started with Keandre Miller. We moved over to uh, Marvin Mims, Devon A-Chain, as I mentioned, Rasheed Rice, and uh, Abakanda. I always forget, is he Abakanda? Um, I'm going to butcher that name. Uh, and then uh, Jaden Reed, uh, Royshawn Johnson, we admire the tight end, Laporta, Mingo, Hyatt, and Musgraves to close out that round. So with that in there, this, this is where people are actually taking more of their shots. So in the second round, who did you guys think were the best and worst picks in the round? I'll toss it over to you, Joe, first. Yeah, so I would say I think the best value came later in the round. I liked um, Sam Laporta, who I think Ryan's going to talk about too, and Jonathan Mingo. I thought those were both pretty good values late in the second. Um, I really liked uh, Jaden Reed at 206. I thought that was a good choice by Canelos. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily say that these were worse picks uh, per se. Just maybe I would have looked differently. I think if I were Scott, I might have considered the, the dart throw on Hendon Hooker, just given his quarterback situation, I know that he's likely to redshirt this first year and probably would just sit on the bench, but um, could have been a worthwhile shot um, rather than going for 
um, you know, a back who's going to be behind Brees Hall and potentially even Michael Carter on the Jets depth chart. Um, and then, you know, Jalen Hyatt, I'm not criticizing the pick. I'm a Giants fan. I would have taken him too. It's just, you know, at that spot, I think there were other receivers, even Cedric Tillman, who I think you ended up getting in the middle of the third round. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit, who I think might project to be better NFL receivers than, than Hyatt, but you ended up with both of them and uh, Hyatt's on the Giants. So I, uh, I certainly get the pick. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Ryan? And then I'll, I'll jump in. You know, I didn't pick in the first or second round. I don't know. Did the rookie draft start yet? I don't know if I missed <laughs> something here, but but no. Uh, as Joe mentioned, my best pick, I had Sam Laporta at 2.9 by Adam and Katz. I know it's super early, but I did see a headline out of Lions rookie minicamp and it said he was putting on a show. So uh, he also was the 34th overall pick and got 20% of his fourth year guaranteed, which I guess was a huge precedent. So I just think he has the potential to be the best tight end in the class from a fantasy standpoint this year. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty good pick. And then worst, nothing really stood out to me because I didn't participate in the second round. And I figured I don't get the privilege of calling anyone else's picks bad yet. Yeah, and uh, I'm jumping over to me. I mean, the, there weren't. I mean, there's a lot of good value in this round, and, and that's where I think uh, this. What I was mentioning, like this can like make or break your, your team, or like really level you up. And uh, the best pick in general from value, I thought was Mingo. Uh, I was hoping he'd fall to me at that point uh, at the two ten. He felt he went to Dan and Harry, who were right before me. So I thought that was the best value. But a lot of the picks that I, I really did love, uh, some of them were mentioned. Um, I actually love the Marvin Mims pick of 202, not from a value standpoint, but also in the second round, like you got to get your guy because like you can't play the ADP game. If it's a second round guy, you just get him wherever you are in the second round unless you can try to make a trade. And I think Mims is a great talent. He had great college production. Uh, he had good draft capital. Obviously, he has like oh, he's bird on the depth chart right now, but I think that can change in about a year uh, based on, client, uh, on the contracts at hand. Uh, so that was a great pick by both Mike Williams and Kaffer. Jaden Reed, that was mentioned, I loved that by Canales. He's had been typically falling to the back half of the second round, sometimes third round, so I was also hoping he would fall to me. Uh, but obviously, Canales continues to snipe all the young wide receivers that I love. Um, but in general, I just I, I was pretty uh, – I, I wouldn't say surprised. I was pretty uh, excited to see how savvy the picks were by the, the league overall in the, uh, in the second round. Uh, worst pick – Again, like I don't think this is a bad pick, and um, but like the Izzy pick, I thought was early. I like Izzy as a player. I actually have him in another dynasty league. Um, I got him in the third round, but also like I understand Scott, like he has Brees Hall, so this actually Izzy is more valuable to him. So you know, uh, in a kind of vacuum, I think it was an early pick, but also understanding the circumstances, it makes sense to kind of back that up because. No matter what he's, and I think Izzy will end up playing ahead of Carter and myself. So I think that even though it was early, I understand the motivation there. I also knew he was uh, targeting Rishi Rice, and he got sniped right before him. Uh, Scotty is a KC fan, so uh, I'm sure that was just like, all right, I'll just get my backup at that point. But uh, with that said, I'm going to move on to the third round. So this is where you can still get some decent value, um, more so in the first half of the third round than the back half, in my opinion. Um, but this is where you start throwing darts, but they're kind of like educated darts. You start thinking who has like a, who has a path to like really having some success here. Um, there was one more trade that was done in this round. 
Uh, it was actually between me and, of course, Schluter. Um, I was actually at the clock on the clock at this point at 302. I feel like Schluter sent me this trade as a joke because he even said after I accepted, he was not accept- expecting it to be accepted. But he sent me the 306 and the 407 to take my 302 and my 502. So basically, I moved back four spots in the third round and I gained a fourth round pick and gave him my fifth. But with that being said, I'll read the pick. So we went Hendon Hooker, Tank Bigsby, uh, down Spears, uh, Brown from the Bengals. Then we had Cedric Tillman, Kraft, Schumacher, is it? Schumacher. Um, and then Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, Darnell Washington, Zach Evans, and A.T. Perry, which was the first pick that the Wilkinson brothers finally made. Um, but with that being said, uh, Ryan, since you finally got involved, why don't you start us off on your uh, best and worst picks? Yeah, so for the best pick, I actually had Hendon Hooker at 3.01 by Joe. Uh, I just thought in the third round, that's a pretty good pick. He's definitely got some potential to get some uh, real playing time. Uh, so I thought that was a good pick. And then for the best and worst picked, uh, Sean Tucker at 3.9 by the Clarks. Best because I actually thought it was a decent pick. Worst because we really wanted him and hope <laughs> we're hoping he fell to us. And uh, totally panicked when it got to us because it was our first pick of the draft. We had no clue who he wanted. We were hoping Tucker fell and he uh, got picked right before us. So uh, yeah, I thought showed. that was a good pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I know Dave's going to talk about that in a second here. So we'll hear what Dave has to say. But Joe, let's hear from you first. <laughs> yeah, so best pick, I, I, I liked uh, Cedric Tillman. I do think that's good value getting him in the middle of the third. I mentioned that earlier. I think he might prospect a little better than Jalen Hyatt. Um, Ty J Spears is, is an interesting kind of prospect or like, you know, player in general to have on a dynasty team Um, had an incredible college career. And, you know, a lot of it has been made about his injury situation. Right. I think I may, may have even talked about this on last week's show or, maybe just out and about running, running my mouth about Ty J Spears, but you know, he, the, the, the common story is that he has no ACL and he's got an arthritic knee and, but you know, if he has a, a similar or even 75% of the career, like someone like Todd Gurley had and gives you three or four incredible years and then is done, you know, you're happy you're getting that kind of a player in the third round. So Spears is interesting. If if he if his knees and his body holds up, he'll produce, especially in Tennessee, where obviously Derrick Henry is on the older side and you know, probably on his way out. I don't see him being there for an I'm not sure what his contract situation is like, but you know, probably another year or two top. So I think there's opportunity for Spears and uh he's a pretty good dart throw in the third round. Yeah, I mean, I like. I I just don't get how if you tear your ACL twice, it, it's just gone. Like, did they remove it? Like, what happened? <laughs> like, how, why know. does he not have one? And and we've made the joke, but like, can you n- not have a torn ACL now if you don't have one? Like, is that just an injury he doesn't have to worry about? Which could be a positive. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I mean, what I th- thought was one of the best picks is the same one Ryan said, Hendon Hooker. I thought in a super flex alone, like I think that's just like a, a great value. I was actually thinking maybe he would fall to me and that could be good value. Like you can never have enough quarterbacks in a super flex and, and having someone who sh- has shown success and like has 
a somewhat realistic path to uh, to playing time, like why not take that shot? Even if he is pretty old for a rookie, uh, which all Joey's quarterbacks are. Um, and <laughs> and then Wurzbeck, as I mentioned, uh, A.T. Perry. Uh, not that I don't like A.T. Perry. I just don't like him in the third round, basically. Like I have – he's more, in my opinion, like a fifth-round guy at dart throw, dart throw. So he could – he could be successful, uh, but when you're playing the ADP game, it just felt like an early pick, in my opinion. Then we're moving down to the fourth round. Um, this is where the crapshoot starts, and uh, you can definitely talk yourself into a narrative for some of these guys, and that's really what you're doing is you're looking on the board. You're like, oh, this guy could probably get some playing time. I'll, I'll draft him. Um, but you're sifting through, and you're just trying to find anyone who you think has any chance of having any level of consistency. No round, uh, picks in this round. No one really cared enough to, to get that involved, I think, or was motivated for any of these players. But there still were some interesting players picked in there. So uh, the start off was uh, Ryan and Sean. They had uh, Keishan Booty. Um, I believe I'm pronouncing that correct. Uh, then we had Gray of the Giants, McBride, Scott, Toon, Huka Naku, which I'm a big Kuka Shell guy, so that works out. Uh, then we had Mike Will- Wilson. Tank Dell, uh, Deuce Vaughn, Jones on the Bengals, uh, Evan Hull, and then Stenson Bennett, another AARP uh, veteran there. So uh, moving on, who did you guys think were some of the interesting picks? Because there's really no good or bad picks at this point, but who did you find to be pretty interesting? Yeah, my my most interesting was Stetson Bennett to Joe at 412 he could have a real shot at a starting job or he could be a forever backup or he could retire because he's 25 years old. So um, now in reality though, I actually thought it was a decent pick. Um, He does have a real chance to potentially uh, get some snaps. Stafford didn't have a great year last year. He could potentially be the number two behind him right away. Could potentially get some playing time over the next year or two. So in the fourth round, I actually didn't think that that was a terrible pick. Yeah, so for me, the most interesting was definitely um, Clayton Toon. Uh, I like, for Scott, the opportunity at the quarterback quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) look, as somebody who's really plugged into the QB uh, ongoings in Arizona and the Kyler situation, you know, they could very well find themselves in a, in a, in a tank spot and Kyler could not see the field at all, all year. And Colton McCoy is certainly not a very good quarterback. Sorry, Colt. Um, Clayton tune. There's definitely to the pod. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Colt. <laughs> Long time listener. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, tunes generating buzz and OTAs. There's that de- I've read m- more than a few articles about how he might see his m- might be able to find his way into a starting job at some point this season, especially if Kyler doesn't play. So look, anything Scott can do to get uh, viable options, any viable options at the quarterback position. I mean, we'll talk about the power rankings later, but all this guy needs is warm bodies to play the quarter to slot in at the quarterback position and he'll be a strong contender in the league. So and I agree with that sentiment. For me, uh, I thought uh, Tank Dell is pretty interesting. He's obviously been getting a lot of hype. Uh, he is itty bitty, uh, so like it's it's not the highest probability he's going to hit. But I do think the way the NFL has been changing, 
smaller receivers who are really good route runners are becoming more and more successful. And it seems like Tank Dell can actually uh, fit that mold. And CJ Strode loves him. He was told the team to draft him. And it seems like everyone in the um, whole organization is a big fan of him. So in the fourth round, if he can get enough playing time, even just at a slot and can turn into like a good wide receiver three, I think find that to be a pretty interesting pick. And then uh, the fifth round, this is honestly, if you offer anyone um, a trade and you just throw a fifth round of pick, they are going to think it's automatically a worse offer um, and more insulting because these are Hail Mary picks uh, in the round. So honestly, don't ever do that. It'll, <laughs> people will laugh at you. Um, these guys are most likely going to spend their career on their taxi squad and then get just dumped and, and cut. Uh, and it could actually happen after one year. But you never know. You could actually you could go for your moonshot, and it could hit. So who did you guys think were maybe an interesting player that was picked in the fifth round? I would run through it, but these are all trash players. So yeah, really no, I mean, <laughs> look, for me, I like Cameron Latu, um, converted tight end. I think he was an outside linebacker, converted to tight end out of Alabama. Seems to be in a good landing spot in San Francisco. Again, Kittle's not the the most reliable in terms of um, not coming down. Like, you know, I feel like every time George Kittle runs across the middle, he's like uh, narrowly avoiding catastrophic injury. So, you know, I think that there's, especially in a system where, um, you know, Brock Purdy is likely to be the starter and we know that he heavily targets the tight end. Uh, And again, I I think that there's some statistic around the, of all the of all of the low hit rates for these guys <clears throat> in these rookie drafts, tight end is by far the lowest. Um, so if you can take a shot on a tight end later on in the draft when you're likely not going to hit with these guys anyway, then uh, why not go for it? So I like I like Cameron Law too. I think he's got a chance to to be something. Speaking of tight ends, right? Yeah, yeah, I had Zach Kuntz by Harry and Dan mainly for the name puns, but <laughs> <laughs> also because I feel like the Jets tight end position is relatively open. Aaron Rodgers is in town now, and he's also a freak uh, athletically. He had a perfect 10 RAS score. So, you know, a fifth round shot, who knows, could happen. Yeah, and honestly, with tight ends, like you just want the athletic freaks. Those guys have the best chance of uh, succeeding later on. For me, uh, it's Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, quarterback uh, that picked by John Clark and his bro over there. He, uh, he's the currently being viewed as the backup quarterback for the Browns. Obviously, they got Watson there, and Watson's not going anywhere. He's uh, got a crazy contract, but Watson could always get hurt. And the Dorian Thompson Robinson, what I was hearing, the Browns are not looking to get a quarterback. But they were surprised this guy was still on the board. And he did play in a pro-style offense. He has rushing ability, and he showed the ability in college to actually put up some pretty serious numbers. So if anything was to happen to Watson, I think he could step in and actually put up some pretty big points um, with his dual-threat ability. So I found that to be a pretty interesting pick. I've actually made that pick in other leagues as well. Um, But, yeah, so that was the rookie draft. And with that, as I mentioned before, that finally completed our rosters. Uh, after a couple months of getting this league going. So with that being said, now that everyone's teams are locked in, what's the – to me, I thought the best thing was to do is just start ranking them uh, and, and starting fights. I thought that would just really get the content going. So with that, we're each going to throw out our own personal power rankings. We have not seen each other's power rankings, so this is the first time we're all hearing it. Uh, and I don't think uh, – 
we're going to have too much consensus here. We, we may even have different criteria of what goes into our own power rankings, but it should be pretty interesting. So to start us off, I'm going to toss over to Joe. Why don't you uh, tell us your power rankings? And if you want to give any background of how you went about it, feel free to do so, but uh, take it away. All right. So um, I took a little bit of a um, – I mean, obviously, there's quite a bit of judgment involved, but I tried to do some – some kind of a, a mathematical approach to where I, I kind of ranked uh, on a scale of one to 10 at, you know, for the current year, uh, each of the position groups for each team. So QB running back wide receiver tight end. Uh, so each of those groups for each team got a ranking uh, for this year. And then this, each of those groups got a ranking for each team um, for, you know, go forward or future. Right. Um, and then I took a weighted average where I weighted certain positions. I weighted QB the, the, the highest and then wide receiver, the second highest and running back and tight end slightly lower. Uh, and then I weighted the current year. Uh, I think it was 80, 20 versus the future. Um, so yeah, a little bit of math, but then obviously a little bit of my own judgment going into how those those ratings for each of the position groups were assigned. Um, but this will be a a living and breathing document, as they say, and I, and I think that there'll be a lot of opportunity to to see how things play out in camp and in preseason and in the season and and update as we go. And you know, I you know I I came in my own team came in pretty low, but I. I like the process and I'm trusting the process and we'll see how it goes. So without further ado, um, coming in at number 12 is team Clark it up. Um, so this team, uh, I think a lot of the future for this team will be decided by their young wide receiving core. So, so Pickens, Addison, Rasheed Rice will definitely make or break the team's future. Um, the lack of a, um, a strong QB two is definitely a little bit of a, a hole as well. I think that obviously it's not as, as desperate of a quarterback situation as Scott's team, given that he does have two uh, starters that he can put out there, but um, you know, Mac Jones, who knows what his future will be in new England. Um, and yeah, I mean, Will Levis, we talked about earlier, you know, what's what's Tannehill's future like? Does Will Levis get an opportunity? Will he be anything? I think that there's a lot of questions for this roster, both um, in the current year as well as go forward. Um, you know, a little bit of bad luck with guys like Kenneth Walker, who now find themselves in a timeshare with a young and, and big bodied back. Um but yeah, a lot of questions, but a lot of potential here too. You know, Kenneth Walker could have a great season. Joe Burrow is a strong QB one. Stephon Diggs is obviously Stephon Diggs. Um, so there's a lot of potential, but um, yeah. So coming in at 11, that would be uh, our host, Dave Reed. Um, so for Dave, uh, I think there's a brighter future ahead for Dave's team. Uh, I think his team in the current year. So Dave's... so. If I were to rank or if I were to sort my ranks by the weighted average of of my future rankings, I think Dave comes in at like the fourth, third or fourth team in terms of future rankings. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, I don't 
view this as a tremendous upside season for Javante Williams, given his injury. Um, Anthony Richardson, it's his first year in the league. Doesn't have the most dynamic offense around him. Um, who knows what he'll look like? He's, he's, he's kind of an unknown, to be totally honest with you. Um, same thing goes for Trey Lance. And obviously QB is a position that is weighted pretty heavily in my rankings. So to have a situation where there's a lot of unknown at the quarterback position, um, that obviously comes through a little bit too. Um, you know, we'll see. We've had a lot of conversations about David Montgomery and what his value will be this year. And, and overall, I think at the, uh, at the wide receiver position, Dave's going to be, um, banking on a, a lot of the depth, all the pieces that he added in the rookie draft. He's got Michael Wilson, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt. These are all guys who, if one or two of them hit, then it turns his wide receiver room, which right now doesn't read as especially strong to me, um, into uh, much more formidable. And, and we'll see where DeAndre Hopkins winds up as well. Coming in at number 10, uh, that would be my own team, the Diamond Dogs. And like I said, I'm not really thrilled about the fact that my own team came in pretty low, but, um, you know, it's hard to really deny the questions that my team presents right now. Um, obviously, the two starting quarterbacks on this roster, um, one of them was a was an abject disaster last year, and the other one, who knows if he'll be ready at any point for, well, for week one, and you know, the team has not a lot of motivation to win games this year. They're not going to be a competitive team. Very, very unlikely they're a competitive team. They have two high draft picks next year, and it just seems like this could easily be a situation where Kyler, you know, there's definitely the possibility he doesn't take a snap this year. I hope that doesn't happen, but I wouldn't say it's outside the realm of possibility. So it's hard to, again, quarter, when quarterback is weighted so heavily, um, in my rankings at least, that's a tough one. Um, but there's definitely um, opportunity for upside as well. Um, we'll see what the Dalvin Cook landing spot is like. Um, I have a, a high hopes, as I mentioned on the last pod, for Miles Sanders this year. And... Um, you know, the wide receiving core is solid with basically two wide receiver ones uh, and, Jamar, and Jamar Chase and uh, DK Metcalf. And then Bijan, again, you know, it's hard to really assign too much value to these guys until you've seen them play a snap. So if he if he turns out to be something and Dalvin ends up in a good spot and Sean Payton turns it back around for Russ and Kyler ends up back on the field, yeah, my team could be strong, but there's a lot of maybes in there, so I couldn't really justify uh, and, and, you know, the math worked out. I think that that's kind of where my team belongs. Uh, next up at number nine is team Scott Rapisati. And this is a tough one because, um, if you kind of look at, so again, like a lot of what I mentioned about the way, the way that my rankings work is I rank each position group. And if you if you exclude the quarterback position and you just take an average of the three other position groups, um, 
Scott would be the 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 number one power ranked team. Um, but the quarterback position here is it can't it, it really can't be overlooked. And and it's a part of it is just obviously bad luck. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I have him in another dynasty league. Like, who knows what the hell that's gonna what's gonna happen with with him. Is he even gonna play this year? If he does, will he be a hundred percent? Do they try and get out of that contract? And then, you know, talked about Ryan Tannehill being at the end of his tenure in Tennessee and, and what will that team look like? Um, hopefully Clayton Toon turns into something, but again, I think that um, there's a lot more questions than answers at the quarterback position here. Um, but again, like I said, the other positions here are, there's no denying um, he's basically got the best or maybe the second best actually to um Rosinski's in terms of the best running backs in the league. He's got very, very strong wide receivers in the near term, um, especially, you know, I think that's part of maybe a little bit of um, the knock on this team too, is a lot of the, a lot of the strength in guys like McCaffrey, Cop, Adams, Kittle, Mixon. These are all guys that are, you know, at or on the, the, the uh, other side of the hill, if you will. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of upside here if the quarterback position can can get worked out and maybe there's a move that can be made, but we'll have to see. Coming in at number eight is the is Team Wilkinson Finishing Co. Actually, um, and not all too different of a story here. I, I, well, actually, and maybe it's a completely different story. This is. You know, the Wilkinson team is basically the exact opposite of Scott's team, where uh, they are, they earn the highest ranking possible, like a, a 10 out of 10 at the quarterback position. Um, but a lot of questions at the running back and wide receiver and tight end position. And, and maybe I have, maybe I have uh, the Wilkes running backs yeah, slightly undervalued as possible. Um, I might be biased too because Dave and I just traded away Rashad White in another league. So now I'm suddenly looking at him through, eh, he's not going to be anything, but there'll be plenty of volume there for White. And Ramondre Stevenson obviously is looking like he's going to be a beast in New England. Um, a lot of question marks at the quarter, at the wide receiver position and the, at the tight end position for Team Wilkinson's. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know that Deonta Foreman is the type of guy that you want to um, really have to count on to do too, too much. And guys like Darius Tony are um, can be strong when they're on the field, but I'll, it's the kind of thing where I'm, I'm not going to believe that Darius Tony can stay on the field until he proves to me that he can stay on the field. But the quarterbacks are very, very strong. And I think that the it's it's much easier to address the other positions than it is to address quarterback, especially in a super flex. So while right now at the start of the season, Team Wilkinson comes in uh, at the eighth power ranked spot, you could tell me right now that one or two things bounce their way in the season and they're uh, a, a championship contender easily. Um, I'm going to pause there because I realized that I haven't stopped at all. Uh, any, you guys have any thoughts, comments? I'm close to halfway, but I want to kind of 
open it up and see if I can get some early feedback here. I mean, I just got to say, uh, when the three hosts of the podcast are uh, 8th, 10th, and 11th, I don't know how much people are going to listen to our fantasy advice going forward. So let's hope we turn it around here, guys. Yeah, my rankings don't have that. <laughs> but that's the beauty of uh, Dynasty. We all value things differently. But no, I'm, a, lot of, a lot of similar themes, but uh, yeah, I mean... Again, you have people you love, you have people you, you, you're not a big fan of, but you no major concerns other than obviously you just hate my team. I get it, Joe. It's fun. It's been a theme this entire time. Yeah, I, hate, I hate my team too. <laughs> I'm, I'm smelling a rivalry brewing here between you two. I'm loving it. I, There's I, always a rivalry. I just, I just want to make it very clear that this was, it, it was all about the numbers. And uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't – when I, when I sorted and I – and I filtered the the rankings from top to bottom, and three of us dropped down to the bottom half of the rankings. I'm like, oh, this can't be right. But you know what? I'm like, you know what? I trust the logic. I'm going to trust the process, and this will be something that I work on as we go throughout the season. And you know, maybe there's a little tinkering that gets done. But let's move to some like good teams then yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess there's some better people teams. so coming in at number what are we at seven here 12 11 10 9 8 7 that would be team watts under the towel <laughs> harrison and dan uh very middle of the road team um scored well i think because i ha- i personally value mark andrews pretty highly i have him as basically my most valuable um tight end after Travis Kelsey in a dynasty. Um, and I think that there are in the near term, some guys on this team that, you know, Josh Jacobs, perfect example, right? Like he, although did, did Jacob sign his franchise tender? Thought he did, but I'm did not he? He, on that. Yeah. I, I know that they keep talking about, you know, Jacobs, Barkley and, and, one of these guys hasn't signed. Maybe maybe it's Jacobs. I don't know. Either way, assuming Jacobs is on the field. Guys like Jacobs, Keenan Allen, Garrett Wilson um, should produce. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson and Geno Smith. Obviously, Bryce Young is a big question mark as well. Um, but again, middle of the road, I think um, the reason why this team doesn't score as highly in the rankings as some of the others is there are a decent amount of question marks here. When you have Drake London, Michael Thomas, and Hollywood Brown as three as your three flex wide receivers, when you know London could be in an in an offense where they throw the ball less than twenty times a game, Michael Thomas hasn't been a fantasy asset in two years plus, and again Marquise Brown could have the likes of Colt McCoy and Clayton Toon throwing him the ball all year. You know, I think there are some question marks. AJ Dillon, I mean. Who knows what Green Bay's offense is going to be? And eight, Dylan's yards per carry last year weren't great. Obviously, Aaron Jones is there, so there are question marks. Um, but it's a it's a solid team, solid middle of the road team. Um, next up is Team Mike Dexter is a god coming in, and I think this team it really all comes down to, you know, what will Aaron Rodgers be on the Jets. Uh, what will Alvin Kamara's suspension look like? Um, I think there's there's a reasonable path to upside here. Obviously, when you put Patrick Mahone, Saquon Barkley, Amon Ross St. Brown, 
these guys all on a roster, you're you're looking at a high probability or a high potential for for boom weeks. Um, you know, we'll see what Rodgers, if Rodgers is able to put together a strong season. We'll see if Alvin Kamara ends up suspended and what the Saints offense looks like. And then a couple guys who I like um, at wide receiver. Um, I think Michael Pittman could bounce back a, a little bit, maybe. Um, there's a lot of buzz about DJ Moore right now, but why wouldn't there be buzz about DJ Moore right now? There's buzz about DJ Moore just about every year. Um, so, you know, I like the depth on this team. There's a couple pieces on the bench that I think uh, are pretty decent. So it's, um, yeah, it, this one really comes down to, for me, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Barkley, Amon Ross, St. Brown. These are guys that, um, studs that, that raise the overall position rankings. So, uh, coming in next is Team Croke Dog. And, uh, for Team Croke Dog, um, I think that Croke probably has the, maybe the most balanced team in the whole league. Um, he has two, decent to to solid quarterbacks i mean we'll see about jordan love and what he can become but he at, at a very minimum uh he will probably be running around a little bit and you know he's got a good he's got good weapons around him so you know i, I i'm assuming he's going to be functional and and look he's going to be on the field right they're, they're giving him the opportunity this year so um, you know, he's going to have the ball in his hands on every play. Um, solid running backs, Najee Harris, Isaiah Pacheco, DeAndre Swift, and Rashad Penny. I like the Penny move. I'm not. So, I mean, again, right, like Devon A. Chain is, is maybe, I think he was the fastest guy at the entire combine, and there's going to be, um, he's in a good offense. And I, I think that's probably a pretty, pretty fair trade between uh, that he made with Dave. I mean, I like the addition of Penny. I'm not sure how much I like having Swift and Penny on the same roster, but you know what? I'm totally honest. Uh, those are two guys who get hurt all the time. So having both means if one of them goes down, maybe you'll have a little more volume with the other guy. So uh, I'm high on Calvin Ridley. Obviously, Tyree kills Beast. So I, I think that Kroep's team scores high because it's, uh, it's pretty balanced. He's got strong players at just about every position and uh, his bench is honestly loaded up with guys that could be started in a pinch. You know, I like to, I said this on the last pod, I like to kind of glance at people's benches and see and look at, at players on the bench and say, how many of these guys could you just throw in to score your points on a week to week basis? And Derek McKinnon, Adam Thielen, Juju, Van Jefferson, Clace, Chase Claypool, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore. Like these are guys who will probably score points most weeks, um, or at least have a shot to. So um, I like Rope's team. And honestly, looking at his bench, if we were ranking like bench depth, um, you know, I, I think he'd probably be at the top. Uh, next up is Team Rosinski, uh, Dan's team if you want to go by sleeper um, by far the best running back core in the league. Uh, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb is uh, pretty ridiculous. Also very strong wide receivers, young wide receivers in, in T Higgins and Devonta Smith. Um, they're, it's interesting. They are like two, you know, I think they're, they have a, they have that 
um, number one profile, but they are number two guys, I think is what uh, the ballers were saying on a, on a, on a keep trade cut segment of an episode either this week or last week. Um, you know, if you told me that either each of those guys ended the year as the number one on their team, it wouldn't be surprising at all. Um, quarterback position. Obviously, you don't really know what the future brings for Tua and Goff, but, um, you know, if they're on the field this year, then they're likely to score a lot of points. So really tight end is the only um, is the only weak spot for this team. I'm not really sure what we can expect from the Njoku. I mean, he could be great, but we don't really know. So, um, yeah, I like this team. I think this is one of the uh, one of the strongest and definitely one of the contenders. So now moving into the top three, uh, coming in at number three is team Adam Cohen and Brian Katz. Um, no, I lied. <laughs> coming in at number three is team Canellos. Uh, so Canelo, team Canellos actually was even higher in my rankings uh, on the first pass. And I ended up going back and... Um, adjusting my rankings of his running backs down a little bit. And it brought him down from two to three. Um, but overall, uh, very, very strong squad. Uh, great quarterbacks, Herbert, Dak Prescott, um, Derek Carr. Those are three guys who I expect to put up big points so he can shoulder an injury. Those are guys that Prescott was running around a lot at the end of last year. And, you know, those are guys that I think will – at least Herbert and, and Prescott, he's in a good position at the quarterback for, you know, the foreseeable future. Um, wide receivers, we talked about Canelo's gobbling up all of the young uh, studs at wide receiver. I think there's a lot of upside. We'll see. Um, you know, he's got a lot of guys here that are, you know, I think the community is high on going into this year, like Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, who had good, uh, numbers and metrics and target share and what have you in their first year. So the, it stands to reason that they're, they're going to have very, very strong second years and, and, and they likely will. Um, but again, we got to see it. And a similar situation with Kyle Pitts, right? Like I like Kyle Pitts. I think he's a good asset, but you know, I have the same concerns about Pitts that I do about Drake London. And even more so because London actually got targets and was productive last year and Pitts was not. So we'll see what happens there. And again, I mentioned the running back position. I think obviously that's where the concern is. Um, you know, does Dallas add somebody else? They want to run the ball more. I don't know that Tony Pollard is cut out to be a workhorse back. Um, I love him as a number two back on my team, or I guess I would, the better way to say that would be, I would love to have him as my RB two, but um, you know, with Antonio Gibson as an RB two. And again, Antonio Gibson is big on the hype train in camp right now too. Um, you know, he does have Devin Singletary for a little bit of depth on the bench. I think Singletary will, will probably get decent workload in Houston. They, the new regime brought him in and um, he's a pretty good player. And um, I liked Canelo's rookie draft. We mentioned Jaden Reed earlier. Um, Puka uh, seems to be trending pretty well. And um, we'll see what happens with the old 
Zach Charbonnet and Ken Walker dynamic. So um, strong team, definitely a contender this year. Um, but, you know, the running back situation is what has him uh, coming in at number three. So, yeah, like I mentioned, or like I like I botched a little bit, um, coming in at number two, team Adam and Katz. Um, again, another very balanced team. Um, and the way my rankings are set up, they heavily or they more they more heavily weight quarterback and wide receiver. And these guys have a ridiculous wide receiver core on this team. Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddell, Christian Watson, Gabe Davis. Um, they got guys on the bench. There's been a lot of hype around Paris Campbell. Josh Palmer's decent. And I liked their rookie draft, to be totally honest. We talked about Ty J. Spears earlier. We talked about Sam Laporta kind of being a, a steal late in the second round. Um, and... You know, of those three quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, you know, if I had to put my life savings on who has the best NFL career, I I might prob I might pick Stroud, to be totally honest. I mean, he he had I mean he and, and Bryce were I would say equally prolific in their college careers. Stroud is maybe a bigger body, is a little bit taller. Um, that could make a difference. So um, I I think that this team is is built for both the future and the present. Um, guys like Aaron Jones, who should get a ton of volume this year, and Travis Etienne. You know, we'll see what happens with Travis Etienne. Um, and quarterback position is, you know, Daniel Jones is. If Daniel Jones runs the ball like he ran the ball last year, he'll be a top seven, top eight quarterback this year. Um, you know, we'll have to see what happens with Kenny Pickett. Maybe I, maybe I have the quarterback room here, um, a little, a little overrated given that Pickett is the second option, but no, actually, now that I think about it, I think I had that thought. And then I saw that they, they had CJ Stroud in the waiting and I'm a big Stroud guy. So that's where, that's where we, we end up with team Adam and just barely, um, edging out Team Adam uh, for the number one slot is Team Schluter. Uh, Got to give it to Schluter. He made a lot of um, a lot of moves, and it's not always a guarantee that if you make a lot of moves, you're going to um, end up, uh, I guess, benefiting from it. Uh, but he did. You know, I think he's got he's got four guys on his roster who. Maybe maybe starting quarterbacks throughout the course of this year. He could be uh, a good trade partner for uh, Team Scott. Scott, you should maybe hit up Schluter and see if he's willing to part with somebody like Brock Purdy. Um, no, but all kidding aside, he's got some. He's got strong depth at QB. Um, stumbled into a good situation at running back with Alexander Madison. We'll see how that turns out. Um, you know, it's funny, right? Like the question marks here for Schluter this year are Madison and um, Cam Akers. And these are guys who are getting so much hype right now. I mean, the Cam Akers hype is out of control. Not somebody that I'm particularly high on, just given the fact that this is going to be a team that's going to stink. And I, I just don't know how much you can give the ball to Cam Akers when your defense stinks. So 
um, if Madison and Acres turn into turn in, you know, I guess the high the high range or the high end of their outcomes, um, and you know, more, uh, I guess, secure guys like Lamar, AJ Brown, Chris Olave, Kirk Cousins, they do what they've been doing for the last however many years. Um, you know, this could be a very, very strong team. So we'll see. I think that, uh, like I said, overall, the most balance at the positions. Um, I like the quarterback and um, wide receiver uh, rooms a lot here. And obviously having guys like Jameson Williams and um, Kendra Miller, and Tank Bigsby and, and what have you kind of, uh, waiting in the wings, right? These are guys that are just on the bench at this point. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of upside here in both the, the near term and the go forward. So that's my rankings. I know that was probably a little more long winded than you guys wanted, but, um, I gave you all of the, uh, the logic behind the picks and, uh, yeah, more to come as we go throughout the season. Yeah. And, uh, as I mentioned, this is the first we're hearing it. Um, some, align with my rankings some definitely do not but that's going to be the joy of this and i'm actually really excited once we bring all the rankings together and do consensus with that i'll jump in next and give uh my ranking so um i have uh, all 12 teams I, I i put them in a little bit of tiers um and i have a little bit of a theme that i put together for each team as well so i'm gonna jump right in there so starting at 12 and and i have five tiers so we're starting in the fifth tier right now um, similar Joe, this is the, the John Clark team. Uh, I have this <laughs> as the bottom team for me. Uh, this team, they can certainly prove me wrong, but as my personal power rankings go, it's all based on my personal preference. And this team is just full of guys that I don't love at all. Um, I'll start with the good though. I love Burrow. Guy's a stud. He will be for the next 10 years. Um, and that's kind of where it ends for me. Uh, I see the past path for success for all the following players, but I also see a very realistic probability that these guys all become bust, which is why I deem this team the all-bust team. Uh, besides Burrow QB, John and his bro have two of the corniest QBs in the league, uh, and I don't think they're very talented. Uh, the Patriots want to move on from Mac Jones, and but they're stuck with him, and Will Levis was passed over uh, by multiple QB needy teams in the first round until the until in the draft until the Titans finally decide in the second round we'll take him um I was out on Levis pre-draft as well he kind of gives me a lot of Zach Wilson vibes at running back I've already noted I'm down in Kenneth Walker on the last pod he was elite last year but he was also the workhorse last year and he got all the red zone looks I expect Sharps to get majority of the third down and short yardage goal line touches which means Walker will be more of a two down back between the 20s uh, I still think it'd be good I just don't think he's going to be an RB1 Pierce is also was also very solid last year, but that was purely based on volume. He's not he was not the most efficient runner overall. Um, I think Singletary is going to get a lot more touches than most people are expecting, and I think Pierce's long term potential is no lock because he doesn't have the draft capital associated to him. James Cook uh, has some hype, but he is also a smaller back, and he has to compete with Damian Harris for rushes and will lose goal line touchdowns to Josh Allen. Algier is nothing uh, until Bajan gets hurt. Elijah Mitchell, I actually think is a decent option. And I personally actually like the Sean Tucker pick as long as his health checks out. Um, 
but in general, every single one of these guys I see, I can see flopping. I mean, he has uh, James Robinson, who's also been cut. Uh, so just a ton of guys that just I don't love. Uh, Diggs as the wide receiver one is definitely one of the safer wide receiver ones in the league. Uh, he has the type of game that should ex- his extend his career um, like going forward because he is about, I think, 20, 29. But, and he's obviously tied to Josh Allen. Um, but he obviously has some personal conflict going on right now between him and the team. So who knows what that means? Debo has already shown that his one good season in 2021 was an anomaly. Um, I view him personally as the fourth option on the 49ers offense between behind Kittle, Ayuk, and CMC. Pickens makes highlight plays. He's fun to watch, but it's because he can't separate. Um, and I, th- I think that offense is a bottom half offense. I do like the Jordan Madison pick, uh, who did fall to Jonathan. There's a very uh, good value right there, and he's going to have a lot of easy assignments across from J.J., but aside from that, the bench is full of guys who I just already view are kind of bust. Like maybe Rashid Rice does turn into something, but the Chiefs are really bad at picking wide receivers in the second round. Uh, so I just don't really like the bet, uh, the depth there. And tight end, like Dalton Schultz, he was awesome last year. He bet on himself, could not secure the bag, got a one-year deal with a rookie quarterback for the Texans. Like, And there's nothing exciting behind him. So this is just a team of guys I don't love. I can definitely be proven wrong, These, and, and I hope John makes me eat my words, but this is my all-bust team. Uh, moving up to number 11, still in the fifth tier. I actually have Crope Dog. Um, this team gives me anxiety because it has a wide range of outcomes. Um, all the way, this team could win. Like I, I, I think this team's possible is they could easily win the league, but I also think they could easily be a bottom three team. Um, running through the roster, I just continually find myself thinking the word projection, which is just another way of saying hope. Kelsey and Tyreek, bona fide game-breaking studs, and easily could finish his number one at the position, which is why all his projections of the team, could, like if they hit, we'll, he's going to assault this league like if, if all the, all the wild cards hit it. But because he has so many coin flips in a row, I'm viewing this team as the wild card. Wild card, bitches! Yeah! <laughs> uh, I mean, at QB, I like Fields and his rushing upside and the weapons they added, but you're also hoping he takes a significant uh, step forward in his career, almost like Hertz did uh, as a passer because to be a true QB1. Because um, he only he does not throw off. I think he threw about like 21 passes a game. And then behind him, he has Jordan Love, which we literally have no clue if he's good or not. Um, he needs Crope is going to need to hit on both of these because he's got nothing behind them. So he needs both of these to hit to actually contend this year. And running back, I actually do love Najee. He's very solid. And Pacheco should be a solid RB2, building off of last year's uh, second half and playoff run. And he does have McKinnon, who should hopefully replicate last year's second half TD run uh, surge as well. But after that, he has the two Eagles running backs, who, when healthy and given workloads, have both proven to be incredible options. Yet they also have proven to struggle to stay healthy and hold on to their starting jobs. Both can be top 10 options. Both can be complete duds. He grabbed Roshan Johnson of the Bears, who I like, but the other two guys there and Herbert and Foreman uh, could also be the lead backs. And it's anyone's guess who's going to lead that rushing attack. One of those three of, on Bear running backs will be of super valuable. We don't know which one it's going to be yet. Tyreek. Uh, at the wide receiver core is a stud. I already mentioned him, but after that, it's a lot of question marks. Mark Cooper was underrated last year, and he finished as a top 10 option. Um, primarily, too, with Brissett throwing the ball. 
can he maintain that shape? I don't like it'll be tough, but I, I think he still will be a good wide receiver too. Ridley hasn't played in two years. Um, when he did play, he was incredible. But like, if you have confidence, it's pure projection. I I do have some level of confidence in Ridley, but like you're still hoping for that. So like, I think Ridley be good, but I can't remove the fact that that is based on hope. We don't know. Guys who don't play for multiple years generally don't come back into the league and are not that good. Um, and then after that, they have Juju, Thielen, Curtis Samuel, Claypool, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore. All these guys at one point, even recently, were viewed as strong options, but they also showed that they can utterly flop in the past two years alone. So do they bounce back or do they not? It's straight up coin flips across the board for me. So they could. He, he, that's why I'm putting him as a wild card. He also does not have a first next year. So if things do flop, not going to be great for him. Moving up, this is where we go to the next tier, uh, the 10th team. And I actually have Kaffer and Mike Williams. Um, at first glance, I feel like I should be higher on this team. They have plenty of names that I know have had their moments of being very valuable assets. Um, with And many of these players are still in their prime. But the more I look at these teams and I think about it, I have a really hard time buying in this fantasy enigma. At quarterback, they got Patrick Mahomes, obvious stud. But Rodgers and Ritter. Like, Rodgers was not good last year and he's now on a new team and is basically 40 is he gonna improve and also like moving forward he's at most got two years left of his career and Ritter looked just very bad last year uh so and he might have a shorter career than Rodgers has left so we'll find out at running back Barkley's my dude guy's a beast uh his days of being a giant might be numbered unfortunately uh, who knows what's going on with this contract dispute and what it turns into. He's also potentially going to turn into a 27-year-old running back on the free agent market next year, which we've seen this year is not kind to any running back on the free agent market. So his situation could get much, much worse. Kamara is already starting his decline last year, and he's likely going to get suspended this year. And behind that, there is not much to feel confident from a running back perspective. Looking at the wide receivers... This should be the strength of the team, and it is littered with talent. But almost everyone is in a less than ideal situation. Amon Ross St. Brown is an awesome wide receiver one, so no concerns there. But as you move down the list, it gets questionable. Pittman looks the part, but last year was a disappointment. And now he has a rookie quarterback who is still developing and that Joey keeps saying is very inaccurate. Um, and he will also be a run-first quarterback when the play breaks down. DJ Moore. Also teases every year and ends up at best a wide receiver too, um, as his quarterback play has always capped his production. And now he gets a quarterback who I've mentioned before uh, only averages about 21 attempts a game. So it's hard to see him cracking the top 15 ever. Godwin might be in the worst situation of all of them with a team that's poised to rebuild starting next year and has to deal with either Baker or Trask throwing uh, passes. And we've seen the highlight reel. They're not hitting. They're, they're missing on all those passes. Um, I'm not sure any of these players actually uh, see their situation improve in the near future either. It's going to be very frustrating this year. I do love the rookie Mims, but he also is buried at, in his depth chart in his current rookie year. At tight end, I love Waller. I think Kincaid could turn into a top 12 option. But for this team to succeed, they need Waller to revert back to his 2020 production um, to really compete. This team feels like a roster that will be hovering in the middle of the pack, which is kind of dynasty purgatory, which in my opinion is the worst place to be. Moving up, still in tier four, team number nine is Joey. 
so Joey's team is to, uh, to go is going to go about as far as his old and busted quarterbacks is going to take him, and that includes his ARP eligible rookies. The biggest area holding this team back, this is the biggest area holding this team back right now, and um, is the confidence in these top three quarterback options. And they all have shown that they can be QB ones when they are right. And and but last year they were just straight up dead. Having one or two of these guys in the roster would make you a bit uneasy. But having all three be your top three options has me reaching for some time. Although this is risky business, I do think at least one of these guys should be healthy and continue to be serviceable. And both Kyler, based on his draft capital and production, and Russ on his name and committed dollars, should have a starting uh, starting role going forward. Outside of QB concerns, I do actually like this team. Uh, running back, Joey won the Bajan sweepstakes, who I think is going to get 300-plus touches this year, including an extremely health, a healthy dose of receiving options, uh, receiving targets, giving him top five potential every week. I love Miles Sanders, who is being criminally underrated and should be feature, the featured back for Carolina for multiple years. And now that Dalvin Cook has been cut, I actually think he has a chance to land in a feature role. We'll find out, but I think – as your running back three, that is a pretty solid option to have. At wide receiver, I love Chase. He's my personal wide receiver one for Dynasty, based on knowing that he's forever tied to Burrow. And DK showed last year that he's QB proof, uh, a QB proof wide receiver one. I will say though, Bateman and Evans are both risk giving either health or the QB situations, and there isn't that much to get excited behind them. The main edge that has Joey sliding up a spot or two here based on maybe what his ranking showed is uh, I want to get this name right. Goddard uh, at tight end uh, who in my opinion is a top five tight end option and has the ability to finish as high as tight end three this year. The edge with the wide receiver and running backs with the tight end has, has me thinking that Joey can expect most weeks that he can compete as long as two of his quarterbacks are healthy. If those quarterbacks stay healthy and they put up average uh, stats, I think he can contend for the playoffs. Moving up to number eight, still the last team in tier four. I have Scotty. Quarterback is a problem. We've mentioned it at nauseum. Uh, and honestly, I'm not exactly sure how he's going to solve it going forward. Jimmy G has that foot problem. He could be cut by the Raiders at any moment. Tannehill is fighting off rookie Will Levis for the starting job. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that both these guys lose their job this season. Scott also does not have a first pick next year. So fixing the QB position through the draft is not really an option. But aside from that, I really like this team. Scott boasts a very strong running back core in CMC, Brees Hall, Mixon, Connor, Jamal Williams, as well as a very strong wide receiver group in Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Jerry Judy, Cooks, Quinton Johnson, and a few other nice depth pieces. And his tight end room is led by Kittle, which is one of the better tight end rooms, I think, in the league. He's got a great mix, too, of youth and high-producing veterans on uh, at the non-quarterback positions. Uh, that as long as Jimmy G and Tannehill Hill do keep their jobs, I think this will be one of the stronger teams in the league. I do think he may need to get some youth injection at the running back position eventually, but he's got Brees Hall, who is arguably the top asset at the position with many years of production ahead of him. I also think this team has the type of firepower and assets that he can make some uh, major trades this season to fix any of the holes on his roster while still actually being able to compete. Moving up to the third tier. The first team in third tier is team number seven. And I got 
Adam and Katz actually here. Um, so they both easily the best wide receiver duo in the league in uh, JJ and Waddle. This team is going to make their opponents nervous every single week as these two can probably outscore an entire team on their own. But aside from these two options, there's very few other pieces on this team that I feel that confident about, and it feels like a very top-heavy team. At quarterback, I am a DJ believer and thought he was a great value, but as your quarterback one, he doesn't exactly give you the edge most weeks. I pick it as your QB two, however, is about as boring as it gets, and you'll have to throw more than uh, you have to hope he throws more than seven tight, uh, touchdowns this year. I could easily see non QB flex options actually outscoring him most weeks. He does have C.J. Stroud that he picked up in the rookie draft, who could probably will end up as quarterback two um, this season. But he's a rookie. I don't see him being a major difference maker most weeks. Um, the good news, all three of these guys, though, are young. They have job security for like the next three years. But none of, he's never going to have the QB edge at any in any point, in, in my opinion, in matchups. At running back, I have some concerns. Etienne is widely regarded as a top 10 running back asset. And I don't dispute his talent, but I've cooled on him a bit. The news coming out is that they want to spread the touches out more, um, especially with Tank Bisbee getting drafted. And arguably his best skill coming to college was pass catching, and they just refused to utilize him there. Um, he also spent multiple weeks where he didn't really do much. Uh, so I'm beginning to view him more as a higher-end RB2. Aaron Jones, yes, he always fa- has found a way to finish the year as an RB1. Uh, but he also shows a lot of week-to-week fluctuations. And now he's turning 28. He's got no Rodgers. And the cliff is coming for him very soon. Herbert from the Bears is currently in that three-way battle that I mentioned for touches uh, to lead the back. So could he be the lead back? I don't know. Tajay Spears could be solid. But then again, he doesn't have an ACL. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. To me, the RB position in, uh, on this team feels like a problem. Outside of that, of the top two uh wide receiver options in JJ and Waddle. The rest of the wide receiver corpse to me is just okay. I do like Watson and he's going to have some week winning uh, games and combine that with JJ and Waddle. That's just like not going to be fair those weeks, but with love as your cornerback, I don't really expect that to happen too often. I feel like the weekly floor is going to be very low. Gabe Davis took a huge step back to me and clearly the bills want to upgrade over him. Um, So I'm not really a big fan of having to rely on him either. I do will say, I low-key, I love Nico Collins. Um, I think he actually can push his way to, into the starting lineup for these two. And that tight end is just fine. Uh, Muth is is an average fantasy uh, tight end at this point. Laporta has upside, but I wouldn't consider the tight end position an area of strength. It's not an area of weakness. It's just very mad. Moving up to the top half of my rankings, we're still in Tier 3, and we're getting to – Team number six, and this is where I got Ryan and Sean Wilkinson. So, yeah, he, he Ryan's cheering because it's much higher than Joe had, I'm assuming. The Wilkinson brothers, they really wanted to lock in two of the consensus top three quarterbacks. But the price to do so was similar to uh, the cost to obtain the souls. What did it cost you? I don't know. I don't know if it was worth it or not, guys, but uh, the QB duo of Hertz and Josh Allen is undeniably the best duo in the league, and it set them up for quite possibly the strongest foundation uh, of the entire league for the better part of a decade. But it, the cost of it did come at the rest of the roster. Behind Hertz and Allen, there is basically 
no depth at all. It's like non-existent, which if anything happens, makes it a bit more concerning. At running back, I'm actually a fan of the top two options. I'm a massive Ramondre fan. I think he's a top 10 option. And I think White could be a solid RB2, assuming he does get the passing work and doesn't gain any additional competition on the team. Although I do think the Bucks are going to be very bad this year. Foreman, again, third part of the three-headed uh, battle for the Bears' touches. He could be a sneaky pickup, but he's also a ro- could end up being a rotational player at age 27 on a cheap one-year contract and could be out of the league next year. So who knows? The wide receiver position leaves a lot to be desired as well. Uh, It's led by McLaurin and Mike Williams, both of who I like but would much prefer to be my wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And after that, it's a mix of fringe guys who are at best a number two option on their team. Lazard should be fine enough, but he doesn't really have much upside. Tony has shown flashes, but he's more of a gadget player, typically only getting the field for a handful of snaps per game. And the bench doesn't have many other inspiring options either. And this is probably the weakest tight end room in the league, led by Everett, who is fine enough, but at best a back-end tight end one. It also might sound like I did a bunch of bashing on this team, but I also don't want to understate how valuable owning both Allen and Hurts will be for this year and moving forward. You simply can't acquire guys like that via trade, and the chance of hitting on uh, in the draft on one is insanely slim. They will raise the baseline sco- uh, scoring for this team and cover the whole of the rest of the team of the roster, this year and moving forward, and it will be much easier to improve your running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, knowing that your QB situation is never a concern. This team also owns two firsts next year, what should be uh, a very strong draft, and one of those picks could be a high pick, depending on my power rankings. Um, the Wilkinsons have some of the actions to be pace, patient and build a scary team over time, or they can use those picks now in trades to jumpstart the process immediately. Moving up to number five in the new tier, tier number two, I got Harry and Dan. I already gave this team a very strong draft grade, and I like what they did in the rookie draft and with the steal of Mingo as a potential future stack with Bryce Young. The team has a ton of pieces that I'm very much a fan of. and The fact that they're in my division and that it's Dan and Harry, I absolutely hate. Um, there isn't many holes I, uh, to poke at aside from the bench step, which is okay, but I don't think they can handle more than maybe two injuries. Um, QB is solid, but not exactly comfortable. Watson should straight up suck last year, but prior to his masseuse issues, he was uh, consistently a top five option. Gino was awesome last year after a decade of sucking, and now he has even more weapons, so he should be good again but he will probably finish right behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, Baker stinks, but that's their QB4 after snagging Bryce Young, who uh, as as long as his body holdups, I think will be a very good pro. Running back is rather weak behind Jacobs, although I do think Jacobs will be excellent. Dylan Harris should be good enough to be okay in the running back two slot, and they do have a couple lottery tickets in Fournette, Henderson, and CEH. So if one of those guys hits, they'll be in a very strong position. Wide receiver is very good, although I think most projected to be better in the future than this year. Garrett Wilson is straight up a stud this year and forever. Keenan, when healthy, will be great, but is uh, aging a bit. I do love London, but this upcoming season, he's probably more of a wide receiver three given the offense. And I think moving forward, he he can be a top 15 guy if they, they get a better quarterback. Hollywood will be a target machine this year uh, and should feast, and he has shown that he does feast when in that role but it is going to depend on who's throwing him the ball. 
And uh, tight end, they got Mark Andrews, who is probably the best tight end asset in Dynasty, and will give them advantage nearly every week for the next five years. Overall, it's a very strong team. Um, I think this is the most intriguing team in the league, and I, uh, I, as I do think there are a couple question marks, but I think they also have a lot of pieces to stay in the hunt and potentially be a contender moving forward. Moving up to team number four, still in tier T, uh, tier two, that is myself. Uh, so I don't view my team that has many holes, um, but admittedly, I uh, likely uh, doesn't. This team doesn't blow you away either. It's just a well-rounded roster, kind of like Mario from Super Smash Brothers. It's me, Mario. Um, I feel like I'm very deep at quarterback, and I think this is where my team can develop a major advantage. But all my quarterbacks admittedly do need to develop more going forward at running back. Um, there are some question marks around health with Javante and signing with the team with Zeke and usage like a chain. But I also have Dobbins and Monty who I think will be very good for the next couple of years. And as if one of the aforementioned ones situations do improve, I think I'll be in a very strong position. Wide receiver have one locked in stud wide receiver one, and then a bunch of useful older veterans who should be solid this year. But future Alex, I understand is not super bright. Bench does have a bunch of useful flex options, but likely no one who will pop. Um, but I do think improving and getting younger here is going to be my main focus going forward. Tight end, I have no concerns. I love Hawk. I love Sig, uh, who I think is a perfect combo of extremely high floor and also having extremely high uh, potential upside. Um, I expect that come the regular season, I'll have plenty of, uh, plenty of lower end ops, uh, assets that other teams will actually want, uh, and I can utilize to target younger guys with upside and try and take some shots. And if one of those guys hit, I think my team can really level up. But overall, I think I should be able to compete this year without too many concerns of dropping up off in the near-term future. With that, we're moving into the top tier with the top three teams. So my team number three, Chris Canales. This is my heartthrob. Oh, man, I'm going to take a second here to really just – because he, he takes all my players. Uh, this is the number three tier in the elite uh, – number three team in the elite tier, um, but it's probably my like personal favorite and the one I think is the most fun and the one that has the makings of being in contention for the next five-plus years uh, and I think will make noise this year. The quarterback combo of Herbert and Dak gives this team an edge most weeks. Herbert will be a stalwart for the next decade, and Dak has multiple strong years left in him. And even Carr as a QB3 is a great depth piece. Um, QB is not going to be concerned for this team for a long time. Um, although they did not prioritize, well, he did not prioritize running back in this draft. I actually think Chris came out really well. Pollard is looking like a top 10 option this year after dominating last year, and, with, and he has very little competition behind him. Gibson has the makings of the steal this year. He's already getting a ton of hype. He's had back-to-back RB1 finishes, both in 2020 and 2021. Um, and he also grabbed Charbonnet in the draft, who I believe will serve as a very solid third RB option and has the potential to be a league w winner if Walker goes down. And even Singletary should be a useful option this year. Wide receiver in this team is full of personal crushes of mine, just a bunch of young wide receivers who I believe ha could all have breakout years this year. Ayuk showed the makings of being a true wide receiver one last year. Burks dealt with injuries last year, but when he was on the field, showed the ability to make big plays, demand targets when running routes. Dotson seems unguardable and has a nose for the end zone. Even Deontay Johnson has shown the ability to get open and be a PPR machine, um, and he cannot score less touchdowns than last year. Uh, I even like Alex Pierce, who I feel like is the perfect type of wide receivers for the bombs that Richardson will throw on a rollout. 
I also am a fan of Jaden Reed, who Chris drafted in, uh, in the rookie draft, and many are predicting to be the true wide receiver one for the Packers in terms of targets. I also can't forget to call out Wandell as a Giants fan. Um, even when you move down to the tight end, the talent youth movement, movement continues with the ultra-talented 22-year-old Pitts, who should have a bounce-back season and I still expect to develop into a high-end elite option moving forward. This team has no major holes and a great mix of youth, already known pr- uh, production, and realistic future upside. This team will be in the mix from day one and should can only continue to be stronger as time goes on. And Chris also has two firsts next year, so that youth movement is only going to continue and get stronger. Uh, the only reason he's not higher in these rankings is because he doesn't have any true elite known production assets for the current year. Moving up to my number two team is my current year favorite, Matt and Dan Rosinski. And while they're not my absolute number one team in the, in the power rankings, I, if I had to put my money on one team winning this year, it's going to be these two. Uh, while everyone was scrambling to lo- lock up a top-flight quarterback in the first round, the Rosinski brothers took advantage of Tua's concussion discount. And although I believe that factoring that into the price was valid, if he is healthy, he has shown that he is a high-end QB1 option. Even Goff, as, uh, as your QB2, is an extremely underrated option as well. He was the QB10 last year and has had some major spike uh, weeks thanks to his terrible defense and his pass-happy offense. And the Lions actually seem kind of comfortable with him moving forward. So this could be a duo that could definitely keep keep you in every matchup this week and potentially in, in future years. And running backs, this is where things are just not fair anymore. Um, and it puts his team in the top tier. The Rosiskis have five running backs that in redraft are likely to be top 15 running back options. Four in the top 10. Their top five running backs are Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Jamar Gibbs, all likely to outscore their opponent's RB1 most weeks. And the fact that we have three flex and two RB slots mean they can start all five of these every week. Henry, Eckler, and Chubb are definitely nearing Cliff, but they are still elite options. And JT and Gibbs are about as good as a young RB tandem that you can find in this league. This is just not fair what they have at the running back position. And if that wasn't scary enough, their wide receiver core is also impressive as well. T. Higgins and Devonta Smith, Joe mentioned this too. They're the number two options on their respective teams, but they're more 1Bs than actual wide receiver twos. Um, and they would be wide receiver ones on nearly any other team. They are also very young and tied to elite quarterbacks moving forward. And I expect both of these to continue to be top 10 to 15 options for a while. They even added an additional nice depth piece with Christian Kirk, who had actually a huge year last year. And even though t- tight end, you can't feel comfortable. Uh, you can't feel comfortable either competing against him with uh, Njoku, who showed last year he has the makings of being a pretty reliable tight end option. And they did grab rookie Michael Meyer, who uh, looks the most pro ready of all the rookie uh, draft picks there. This team's bench is also very deep, um, and they should not skip a beat when the bye weeks come or the inevitable injury hits. The only thing holding this team back from claiming the top overall spot is the average age of the running back room and that both Tua and Goff have some risk associated to their long-term outlook. And then the top dog, number one, same as uh, Joe Schluter. He's just my favorite team in the league. Just a seductive mix of youth, immediate star power, no major glaring holes, and will only continue to improve in the future, and I hate it. Uh, quarterback is locked down by Lamar, who has shown the ability to be a cheat code. And although Cousins and Purdy are not 100% locks moving forward, 
more likely than not, they should be able to maintain their at least QB2 status. At running back, Schluter went dumpster diving, but found some great values who very well might become top-tier options. Aker's season last year was quite the roller coaster, to say the least, but he finished on an absolute tear, and Madison is now the current workhorse RB1 for the Vikings. Samaje should be the lead back while Javante gets healthy and proved to be great in that role when given the work. And Brian Robinson is fine, albeit unexciting, RB2 flex option. He also has Kayan J. Miller and Tank Bisbee, who both can become immediate producers. Kamar gets suspended or ETN gets hurt. At wide receiver is where I become absolutely green with MD. Just a who's who of young elite options across the board. Uh, AJ Brown, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, JSN, Zay Flowers, easily the best overall wide receiver room in the league. And they are not going anywhere anytime soon. And tight end is probably the weakest, weakest position, but it's not a dud either with Engram. And everything else Sluter has on this team is makes him to be a problem for this league going forward. And that's my rankings, guys. All right. So we are going to switch things up a bit here. I'm going to go from the best to the worst. And I decided to focus solely on this year. So my rankings are geared toward the teams with the best chance of winning the championship this season. But for your first lesson, the most important thing is not whether you win or lose. It's how well you can dish out the smack talk. Dave and Joe already talked a bunch about the teams, all the players on every team. So I'm not going to focus too much on the full roster. For those that are new here, I like to give my power rankings in the form of a roast. So this is the preseason edition of what I'm calling Ryan's Roasting Rankings. And if anyone has a better name, I could definitely use one. So let's get to it. Number one, I hate it, but similar to Dave, I had to put Dan's team first. Managed by Matt and, you guessed it, Dan. Sitting comfortably at the top of my preseason power rankings, congratulations guys, you must be relishing the taste of victory. But as I look at your team, the question must be asked, are you proud of yourself for ripping someone off so heartlessly? Does it bring you joy knowing Scott is suffering in a pit of regret? Just do the right thing and give Scott his guy back. He trusted you and you swooped in like a vulture, snatching away Scott's fourth round pick for some nonsense. It was a move that quickly let the rest of the league know your true team name, Team Dirty. Boom. Roasted. Number two, Team Crope Dog, managed by Craigie Cropa. Our league got real creative with the team names so far. You're clearly going for the championship this year, but will it even work? It appears you think so, as you're rostering Tom Brady, hoping the GOAT's experience will pay off. Newsflash, he's too busy hanging out with models on $300 million yachts with Mr. Beast to care about your team. In your locker room, the weight of the world now rests on the shoulders of Travis Kelsey. You're depending on him to carry your team to victory. Only time will tell. But let's be honest, if Kelsey falters, your team's chances of success crumble alongside with him. Boom. Roasted. Number three, Mike Dexter is a god. Managed by Mike and Mike. You have the Bills tight end room locked down with Knox and Kincaid. I'm just not sure that's something that would benefit anyone in fantasy football. Besides, the only Bill anyone needs is right where he belongs at Wilkinson Finishing Co. If only you were a true fan and traded up for Allen. But that ship has sailed just like your championship dreams. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> Number four. What's under the towel? Managed by Harrison and Dan. <laughs> Drafting Zach Wilson 
Josh Gordon, and Daryl Henderson prove to us that you're taking this league very seriously and operating like a true franchise. Surprisingly, I don't think it's going to work out too well. You're rostering a current Brown QB in Watson and an old Browns QB in Mayfield, and everyone knows that anything the Browns touch turns to shit. It seems like you know your season is already over as you're making side bets on Dave's QBs to give you an actual chance at some cash. But since I know you're a big fan of the greatest show of all time, I'll leave you with a quote from The Office that should give you some great advice for the season. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. Dwight Schrute. Boom. Roasted. Number five. Titans drop. Although T-I-T is capitalized, I'm not sure what that means. Managed by our very own Dave Reed. I know calling Tom Brady the goat earlier has your blood boiling, so let's give you a real reason to be upset. The most ruthless manager, you have a new guy hitting the trade block every other day. How do you expect your guys to perform when they're constantly worried about getting traded? Not to mention, no one ever bites, which might tell you something about the talent level you're putting on the field. And I think you've realized it yourself, as you currently have all your starters on your bench, unsure who is even worthy of a starting spot. I hope you figure it out before week one. I'm just not sure it will matter much either way. Boom. Roasted. Number six, my other co-host, formerly known as Barely Legal Teams, now known as Diamond Dogs, managed by Joe. Joe. (laughs) Joe, the Swifty of the group. I'm going to put this in a way you can understand. It's a good thing you're a Taylor Swift fan. That means you already know how to. And that's exactly what you're going to have to do after that draft. Let's talk about your quarterback situation, shall we? You've assembled a trio consisting of Murray, Wilson, and Stafford. Now, on paper, it may seem like a formidable lineup, but I can't help but wonder if you'll even have a starting quarterback by the end of the season. Will injuries strike? Will performance issues arise? It's hard to say, but one thing is clear. The uncertainty surrounding your quarterback position is enough to give any fantasy owner sleepless nights. Maybe you're hoping Stetson Bennett will come to your rescue if things go south. After all, who can resist a seasoned veteran? Oh, wait, never mind. He's just a 25-year-old rookie. So remember, just like Taylor herself, you'll have a chance to prove the naysayers wrong. If she can rise above Kanye West stealing her mic, I'm sure you can rise above your QB situation. Boom. Roasted. Number seven, Team Adam Cohen, managed by Adam Cohen and Katz. Earlier, I talked about locking down the Bills' tight end room, and you have the Pittsburgh QB room locked down with Pickett and Trubisky, which might be even worse than locking down the Bills' tight end room. Week one, you'll be facing Allen and Hurts, and they'll show you what it means to have two true QBs. The only thing that worse than your team might be your team name, which is somehow your name, spelled wrong. I've seen all I need to see to know how your season will go. Boom. Roasted. Number eight, Crimerica Industries, managed by Canellos. We know Herbert is good, but let's get to the supporting cast. We have Tony, the backup Pollard, getting his first shot at a lead role. He's like that one friend who always shows up late to the party, but still manages to hog all the snacks. Antonio Gibson, the master of inconsistency, who could run for a touchdown or trip over his own shoelaces at any given moment. And Kyle Pitts, the human tight end enigma 
It's like he's playing a game of hide and seek with fantasy points, but unfortunately for you, the fantasy points are hiding and you can't seem to find them. Boom. Roasted. Coming in at number nine, the Ravens. I mean, Team Schluter, managed by Michael Schluter. You're marrying your fantasy team off your favorite real-life team, the Ravens, who have exactly one playoff win in the last eight years, a baffling decision. It's a bold strategy that almost certainly won't pay off. It's important to separate your fandom from sound fantasy football decision-making. Simply relying on a team's real-life success does not guarantee you a championship, especially when the real-life success of the team you're relying on is non-existent. Boom. Roasted. Coming in at number 10, yours truly, Wilkinson Finishing Co., managed by the Wilkinson Brothers. We went big and secured two of the best QBs. Yet somehow Dave's QB room is ranked higher than ours. I guess that goes to show how effective our strategy was. I don't know, make it make sense. Anyways, I could go with the classic, Hertz is going to put a hurtin' on this league, but no one wants to hear that for the hundredth time. So instead I'll use Allen, who's going to put a whalin' on this league. In all seriousness, it's risky to go all in on two QBs, but you know what they say. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Boom. Roasted. Number 11. This team has found itself at the bottom of all the rankings, so we'll see if they can prove us wrong. Clark it up. Managed by the Clark Brothers. It's only right that I start your ranking with a recent headline from your favorite team. The New England Patriots are waving fourth-round running back James Robinson. I gave you a C-plus after the draft, and it appears the only thing worse than that was your pick of James Robinson. But you know who it does help? Stevenson owners. Just saying. I am worried about how much pain your team will cause the league from laughter. Seriously, my sides hurt from laughing so hard every time I look at your lineup. Boom. Roasted. And coming in at number 12, Team S. Rapazzotti, managed by Scott Rapazzotti. Marissa informed me you're waking up in cold sweats every night, mumbling, Eckler, Eckler. I'm not sure what sign the fantasy gods are trying to give you, but I hope you can figure it out. Unfortunately, even if you do figure it out, it's not your worst problem. That would be the raccoons that have built a nice home on your deck. Or maybe your QB room. (laughs) I'm just going to read a recent headline of your QB1. Raiders Jimmy Garoppolo had foot surgery after signing, still recovering. Enough said. Boom. Roasted. And with that, you've all survived the first roast of the season. You all know it's in good fun. Secretly, I'm worried that going all in on two QBs may backfire. So don't take anything too seriously. And I look forward to seeing you all in the playoffs, except you, Scott, because we know you don't stand a chance. Boom. Roasted. (laughs) Oh, man, I can't believe you brought the raccoons. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Had to. Had to. (laughs) That was awesome. Well, we're going to, as I mentioned before, we're going to bring all the rankings together. We're going to have a consensus ranking. I'm actually interested myself to kind of see what that's going to land out, the consensus ranking, because we actually do, like, the top end and the bottom end, I feel like we have some consistency, but everything in the middle seems like it's all over the place. So it should be pretty, pretty fun. But with that said, I mean, 
it's the off season. This is uh this is basically where dynasty becomes like the stock market. Uh, little blurbs are going to skyrocket certain players uh, and other tank other players. So hopefully these power rankings will motivate you to make some transactions and trades with hopefully me because I'm putting everyone on that block, but no one's <laughs> biting. Um, but with that said, uh, this was episode three. Thank you for listening to the NSFW Dynasty <laughs> Podcast. Diamond <laughs> <Lemon> Dogs. <laughs>